Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, everybody, welcome to episode 379 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson, send you over to Jason Rugard, he's got a rundown for us. Alright, on tonight's show, we are going to be going back to our old format. We got trivia, we got movie news, we got reviews, and we got trailers. We have it all. We are the original Movie Mavericks. Don't be fooled by any imitators out there. <clears throat> Less said the better on that, right? All right. Listen, just understand that you're not alone in coming up with a great name. Exactly. There are a billion ideas, and uh, we picked the same one, and uh, that's amazing. However, let's go back <laughs> and uh, get into it, and let's start from the top here, guys. Thanks for listening, and as always, whatever you're listening on, whatever platform, like, subscribe, kind of follow the show, rate it, review. That always helps us. And uh, we really appreciate that. But tonight, we're going back to the old format. We're going to start off with some trivia. I mean, Trevor says he's not the greatest at trivia, but he actually does okay most of the time. Are you ready? Are you warmed up? You think you're uh, doing okay tonight? Yeah. All right. I like the enthusiasm. (laughs) Okay, so E.T. was released this last weekend in IMAX. Um, It didn't do great, but it was its 40th anniversary. Mm. I didn't even know that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? They just kind of quietly released it. It was sharing IMAX screens with Top Gun Maverick, which clearly outgrossed it. It would be 40th, right? Uh, Yeah, 82 to... Yes, that's 40. Yeah, 40th. Yeah, my goodness. That makes me... Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Jaws is coming in September. Would you go see either of these re-releases? Uh, well, first of all, Bruce is coming, I think is what you meant to say. Yes, the shark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, nah, probably not. I probably, I probably will not go out and see those. I've seen yeah, Jaws so many times. I think it's great. Um, it really is good to see in a theater. I've seen it in a theater once, um, but I've seen it so many times... I don't know. I don't know if I could watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen it projected since uh, we were in school, and I think that they, you know, even that was, I think, off a of DVD. But I, I don't think I could sit through an IMAX presentation of this, no matter how good. And I do like Jaws, but it is dated, and um, I've seen it so many times. But we both said we've seen this a lot of times. This piece of trivia caught me off guard. I didn't have the answer for this initially, so I'm curious to see if you'll get this. What is the name? of Quint's boat in Jaws, the Robert Shaw character. Oh. What is the name? It's on, It's clearly on the, the back yeah, side I know. of it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to remember. I'm not going to waste my time. All right. Just tell me what it is. The Orca. That is what it is. Damn it. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought, too. I'm like, of course that's what it fucking says. I knew that, too. Yeah. Because you've seen it hundreds of times. Yeah, because it's in my mind. I have that image of it exactly. Like when you when you say it, I'm like, oh, there's the boat, and there's where the word is. But I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, uh, that pissed me off too. That's why I wanted to share that one with you. Hmm. This next one, I think, is going to be a rebounder. I think you're going to do very well on this one. Um, I, I was know. able to get this one, and I think you'll get it at least at, at least seventy five percent. Is it Keanu Reeves? <laughs> it's always killing right? Reeves. That's the yes. answer to every trivia question I got from here on out. <laughs> That'd be okay. great. Yeah, can you craft the question around the answer, please? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's reverse Jeopardy. What is Keanu Reeves? 
Okay, let's name all the actors in order who've portrayed Jack oh. Ryan on screen. Oh, God. Um, in order, uh, what's his name? Alec Baldwin? Yep. Is that the first one? Yeah, that's right. Then you would go to what? Harrison Ford? That's correct. And then Ben Affleck? Or did I skip someone? No, you're you're right. You know what though? I I totally fucking jumped over that one. So you actually <laughs> so far have beat me on this because I didn't even include him. But well done, well done. Okay, you're still in the game. You still got skin. Uh-huh. Oh God. Um. Oh, now I don't know. I know. Now it gets hard. Now it gets hard. Um, I don't. I'm not sure. What's the uh, um. Because the Amazon show, that is a Jack Ryan show, right? Mm-hmm. With uh, mm-hmm. the guy from The Office. Yep. Whatever his name is. I forget. Um, you know, he's in The Quiet Place. Yeah, Chris, John Krasinski. Krasinski. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. But is he next? No. No, there's someone in between. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, mm, they're, they're, oh. Yeah, I'm not gonna know. I, I can't. I'm not gonna guess it. Just Chris tell me. I, there is. Ah, that's right. I knew there was okay. like a weird one because that was just like the Born Identity one that came out like around the same time, wasn't it? Yeah, like the well, um, yeah, in that the era. non-Born one. Didn't that kind of like wasn't that? Yeah, exactly right. Like the reboot type thing. Like they were trying to run reboots on those. Yeah, with, with the new wave of uh, leading men. I mean, you're talking about the Jerry right. Renner led Born movie. Right. And uh, yeah, this was going to be a franchise starter for Chris Pine and Kevin Costner, and it was a good little movie. But to be honest with you, I knew you were going to stumble on the Chris Pine, but I totally blanked on Ben Affleck playing Ryan, <laughs> and he was pretty good at it. I don't think that's a difficult character to play, though, ultimately, because if they've all uh, been uh, no. pretty good at it, <laughs> I mean, you just show up and say your lines. I don't know. I, personally, I like the Harrison Ford movies the best, probably. Yeah, I'd say Clear and Present Danger is my favorite out of the whole series. Yeah, I mean, Patriot Games good, too. I think uh, Some of All Fears is the second, my second favorite, though. I'm not the biggest fan of the yeah, Amazon show. That's your show. Ben Affleck one. Yeah, that is my Ben Affleck one. It's my second <laughs> favorite Jack Ryan movie. I forgot it Actually, I don't like the, the TV show at all. I, I, really, I find most of the Jack Ryan stuff kind of boring, to be honest with you. It can get some of, all, some of All Fears, I, I had that problem with. I just thought it was a bit boring. And the, the Amazon show is way boring. Well, it, well, it's an acquired taste, I think. I mean, a lot of those Amazon shows, I feel like, take way too long to develop. Uh, Reacher included, and Bosch, and I, I can name a couple other ones. I yeah. just They lose me by the time they start going, and by then I'm already checked out. But uh, well done, though. I mean, the ben, bringing Ben Affleck, like I said, it's my second favorite Jack Ryan movie, and I totally forgot it existed. You forgot so about it. That says That's a lot terrible. about that you're just, franchise. You're just miffed you're not invited to the wedding, right? Uh, you're talking about uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez? Yeah, they're having we, that well, big $2 million wedding or whatever. Is there any other wedding? I mean, that's the wedding of the season. I'm very mm-hmm. upset I wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were, we were around in Santa Barbara, you and I, during uh, that first one, the fiasco of that. So, Anyways, some <laughs> things change and things don't. Let's go back. Couldn't, couldn't save them then, can't save them now. Yeah, no, I know, right? But uh, well done. Well done, sir. Well played. Um, let's talk about a couple things here. One is, did you hear the news that Creed Three was pushed from its date of November 2022 to March 2023? No, I, 
I'll be honest, I'm I was not paying attention. <laughs> I don't I don't think care when Creed Three comes out. Anybody is did you know that Michael B. Jordan is directing it? Uh, I did know that, which I I would expect at this point, right? I mean, he kind of is that character. I imagine if he wants that to keep going, then it's kind of like a it's kind of a big deal for him, I think, as an actor to play that to keep that character going for at least this third movie. So yeah, I'm not surprised. Well, did you hear the rumor on the street about why it was pushed? Oh, guys, like a Me Too thing? No, 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 no. Okay. Apparently, <laughs> the movie's an absolute shit show. It's, oh yeah, again, I wouldn't be surprised either. That I, <laughs> the what I've read, I, I mean, with a grain of salt, because this is from message boards and. Well, Stallone's and, not involved, right? Well. The word is, is that, a, is that, a, that <laughs> Warner Brothers has issued him pretty much an open check to come in and fix the film, to possibly oh, redo God. reshoots on it, to do some uh, additional editing. And um, this is why, this is what the rumor is, he's making such a big stink about ownership rights. The, he the wants Drago. ownership rights, um, just in general, of the character. And this might be his way to do it. So they're pushing the film back, uh, you know, roughly six months. And getting it uh, fine-tuned, and this is very troublesome in, in a lot of ways, because Warner Brothers needs this to be a hit. They just signed a deal where they're going to be releasing all of MGM's films domestically. So this is part of that package of why they bought it. So we'll see if this uh, if plays out, if Stallone gets involved ultimately here, or if they can salvage something. But what I've read, if, once again, with a grain of salt, is that it's extremely dark, featuring rape scenes, um, abuse, things like that. So Why? things that don't exist in the Rocky <laughs> universe, if you will. Well, that's not, well, I, I disagree with that. It, um, Rocky wasn't necessarily just some upbeat guy all the time. You know, it, it was pretty dark, but it's at least, it's a fairy tale. Man. There's a, we don't there's need a shit fine, like that. Uh, the first Rocky's not, he's really, he's kind of a doofus. He lives a sh- kind of a shit life. Um, and, and, and in the end he, you know, barely makes it out of that, you know, to, to conquer, but y- yeah, I, the rest of the franchise sure is more of a fairy tale, but, um, that would be about like the first movie would be, I think would be about the, the depth that you would want to hit. If you go deeper than that, uh, I don't, you're making something else. Yeah. They're, they're jumping the shark, I think in a lot of ways here. Uh, this is not. It doesn't have to be everything like everyone wants to make some piece of art. It feels like. And so they go, uh, too, too dark. Yeah. This isn't the dark night. We don't need to, you know, Christopher Nolan's not at the helm of this. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's plenty (laughs) of life to, uh, to live and explore that isn't like so dark. Right. I mean, God. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm exactly, especially where the series left off with Creed two, him having a young child, you know, Creed two was basically Rocky four part two. So it was in good hands, and I thought that they were headed in the right direction. I was surprised that Michael B. Jordan got the nod to direct this, but once again, he's grown close to the character. He, he it's his baby in a lot of ways now. So, like I said, we'll see when this finally hits screens well, in March twenty twenty three. I mean, as I would think, a boxing movie. You've already made two of them. How could it be? You, how could you screw up too bad? Yeah, and really, the first two directors, Ryan Coogler, was fairly unproven at that point, and Stephen Capel Jr., who did part two, hasn't done anything since. I think he's on the Transformer movie, the new one coming out, but these were unproven guys at the time, so to give an actor who's been doing it for 20 years, has been around it, 
and supply him with a good DP and, you know, ADs and things like that, how he couldn't fall on his face, right? I mean, somebody had to approve the script somewhere down yeah, the line. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Like, this seems like a, a producer error more than, yeah. uh, well, and also his, I guess. Everyone who made the movie it would be all their errors altogether, but yeah, less his, as long as his job was to act and, uh, and, um, you know, direct. And then, uh, for as far as it's being a good film, being that it, it will be popular and make money, that would be the producer side. So that, right. And uh, marketing, I put that on their failure. No marketing. Yeah. You can market whatever you want, but if it's dog shit, you're going to have trouble selling it, you know? <laughs> yeah. You got a good first weekend and that's about it. And even that's not guaranteed anymore, I should say. So, all right, well, here's news too. Saw 10 has been announced. It's going to be a planned release for Halloween 2023, which kind of makes sense because now that Halloween Kills, mm. which is the final entry in this uh, current trilogy iteration of the Halloween franchise, is coming to an end this year. Right. Is that, that just what we're doing with Halloween open. for now on? Um, everyone, everyone gets a couple movies, we just reboot it. <laughs> well, yeah. I saw a, a, not a meme, but like an internet thing where it showed the timelines and the fracture timelines and the spinoffs of the Halloween. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's so convoluted and hard to... But then, does anybody give a shit about the old ones? I was just going to say, does it really matter? As long as it's Michael Myers, and he kind of does his Michael Myers thing, and you don't screw that up too bad, you're good, right? It doesn't particularly matter. And and at this point, it's already so broken that it's almost fun to know uh, how and where it's broken. And it ultimately means you know that there's going to be more Halloween coming, which is kind of half the fun, no matter what. Um, yeah. But, you know, anecdotally, I was talking to some teenagers and they were talking about Scream and they referenced Scream this and Scream that. And I'm thinking they're talking about the 1996 film. No, they're talking about <laughs> the brand new one. They could give a shit about that one, previous one, you know, because to them, that's the but Scream, you have that's to. Scream. That makes no sense to me, though, because that that's like it, that's not a remake <laughs> that like that's just like the next installment <laughs> and the new one is not even gonna have nev campbell as we know so it's does it really matter i mean me. these new characters are the the new somewhat legacy characters there's jenna tega and whoever else survived i think cuba goody jr's son was was one of the kids that survived yeah, so i don't know i mean we'll talk a little bit we'll talk more about the actual movies uh in the review section but i think a movie like prey makes a lot more sense for for people who aren't aware of that franchise to, to talk about like a predator movie. And they would talk about that movie. Cause it doesn't have anything to do with any other stuff, but like the Halloween movies have Jamie Lee Curtis in it still. Like it just, it doesn't make sense not to know. And the screen movies as well with the Nev, Nev Campbell and all the other characters that come back. It doesn't make a lot of sense to talk about that movie. Like that's the screen movie. <laughs> I would say that those Halloween movies, that this new ones, those you have to be more familiar with the past than the screen films. I felt like the the homage that's being paid to mm, Halloween sure. and the Carpenter ones is is much deeper than the nods that were in the Scream one that just came out. I, I just felt like it was more. I mean, I guess I just, it's just weird to see a movie because those aren't those aren't like prequels that came out after the fact. Like that movie is is a, a dead sequel to the the other to the franchise it's like the next installment it's just weird <laughs> i agree but like, I guess like watching is- the well I, I i get what you're saying because we have the star wars shit and people will talk about which wh- whoever wherever they were born at right what, what time period versus those are the star wars movies which trilogy they they talk about i guess it makes sense i guess that's ah, weird well I, I put it like this i felt like creed one was or even top gun maverick is paying reverence 
where I feel a lot of stuff is just playing lip service. It's just, it takes me out of the movie when they do the throwback stuff. Whereas in those two examples I gave, uh, I felt like it was woven in perfectly. Oh yeah, those are both great for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, for the homages and stuff. Yeah. News. Check this out. I read this too. I wanted to bring this up to you because uh, we both have very differing opinions on the Thomas Jane Punisher film, right? The 2004 Jonathan Hensley film. You're not the biggest fan of it, if I um, recall. I like, well, I like the movie. I just think it's stupid. <laughs> if that oh. makes any sense. Because he goes, he's like the Punisher, and he goes, and the guy's like right down the street, right? They like they might as well be across the street from each other for the whole movie, and they just don't like, like all he's got to do is go over there and kill John Travolta. I don't get it. I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of like Shakespearean type double crossing that's going on in this. Yeah. It's, it's almost operatic in a lot of ways, but it had a Sam Peckinpah type vibe, a down dirty vibe too to it that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I like thought the Thomas way that it Jane looks. was pretty it, cool. It, it feels like it's very much kind of like in a a cheaper version of the crow in a way, like the way that some of it looks. Uh, yeah, I'll buy that. I'll go um, with you on that. You know, what was the yeah, like the 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 Marky Mark movie where where he was the the Max guy. What's what was that movie called? It was the video Max game Payne. Max Payne? It reminds me a little bit of that, which also I thought tried to be the crow. Yeah, I, I would say that it was heavily inspired by that. Although I think that the the Thomas Jane Punisher movie has a little bit more of a western vibe, and Max Payne is is yeah. uh, more stylized yeah, I, in I'd some some senses. But I did really like the Punisher 2004 with, with John Travolta. I mean, given aside what you're saying, and I can't disagree with you because they do circle each other for way too long in the film. But I think it has its high points God, was that, movie, that movie came out in 2004 2004 <clears throat> because the sequel which Just starred Ray so, Stevenson so was 2008 that. and that thing right. tanked Warzone which had its own set of problems but whatever I didn't think that one was that bad but I did see it on um, video I didn't think it was that bad either. I just thought it was tonally, I mean, just leagues different it's from what we've gotten movie. so far. I mean, yeah, to that's, fair. Down, that's what it is. But it, was, but it was fine. I think Roger Ebert summed it up pretty well where he said it was a good-looking, bad movie, you know, like production yeah, design-wise exactly. and um, how it was doing. But at one point in the production schedules, that they, they were talking about doing a Punisher 2. And Rob Zombie was attached to direct it, which I thought was kind of an inspired choice if he would have gotten the nod. But he was kind of kicked out of it. And then, this is even more interesting, I think, that Lionsgate turned down the offer from Walter Hill to write and direct the sequel. And I think he would have been a perfect choice for that material. Yeah, I mean, that would have been interesting. Out of the two, would you like to have seen a Rob Zombie Punisher movie or a Walter Hill Punisher movie? Because one's going to be more over the top than the other in different ways well uh, I, I tell you a couple things i like rob zombie as a person <laughs> i hate rob zombie as a director uh i would i mean walter hill all the way man i fucking loved bullet to the head um and yes yeah, for that to have been like uh, more of a of a, a superhero type movie and it kind of was in a way he's kind of done superhero type movies. did you ever see the assignment Oh, great movie with uh, Sigourney Weaver and Michelle Rodriguez. Sigourney Weaver and Michelle Rodriguez. I won't tell anyone the uh, trick you, there, but yeah, that's a great movie. movie. That's, that's kind, a, of, a super, a kind movie. of a superhero movie, you know, in a weird way. <laughs> and a huge reversal. So, yeah, I mean, it's the Warriors and stuff. Is. Yeah, yeah, I would totally, um, I'd totally be down to watch a Walter Hill version of Punisher. 
Yeah, I mean, it's too late as, now, but me as well. And in Lionsgate, the brass there rejected Hill. And this is when Jane basically said, you guys aren't interested in making a good version of this. I want nothing to do with this. And they recasted the part after that. So we never got either a Rob Zombie or a Walter Hill version. In reference to what you said there about Rob Zombie, the only Rob Zombie film that I've, I want to say recommend or would watch again was the first Halloween that he did. I thought the second one was almost unwatchable. I've never enjoyed mm-hmm. his other films that he's done. The Munsters looks interesting from a trailer standpoint. I'm intrigued to see if it's a shit show or if it's a, you know, a nicely done homage to the, the television series, but I don't have much faith judging off that trailer. But I would have liked to have seen what he would have done with The Punisher, but I think it would have looked a lot like what we got in 2008 with that war zone because that was kind of a freak show. Yeah, but at least his uh, he tries to work in some intelligent stuff into uh, almost all of his movies, and the subject matter is so ridiculous in a way that uh, I think people disregard the intelligence that he's actually putting into it. But it's there, so yeah, I'd love to see that. All right, let's uh, talk about Emily Blunt here. She's not talked about enough, right? I mean, this lady is in almost every we movie. Talked I feel about like her husband. Out. Yeah, exactly. Talk uh, Kr- about her now. Krasinski there. Emily Blunt, who recently was with Dwayne Johnson in The Jungle Cruise and pretty much every third movie that came out in the last couple of years, is reportedly <laughs> joining Ryan Gosling in director David Lettich. That's the guy who did Bullet Train and uh, one of the co-directors of John Wick. And their reboot, a big screen reboot of The Fall Guy. This kind of sounds like uh, Hopper, mm. the old uh, Burt Reynolds film, that they're going to do something like this because... Lettich is a former stuntman, and this is going to be a loving ode to the stuntman, I'm sure. But Ryan Gosling, for some reason, I feel like, seems intent to want the career of Ryan Reynolds. What, <laughs> what's going on here? I mean, we'll talk I don't about... Know why. Ryan Reynolds doesn't have that great of a career. <laughs> but I mean, all of a um, sudden, he's picking these projects, you know, Barbie, Fall Guy, Gray Man... Yeah, uh, he, I mean, he is, he is, well, I mean, Drive, come on. He was doing kind of Reynolds stuff beforehand, uh, I guess weird, serious things. Um, I mean, does it get more Ryan Reynolds than The Notebook? Come on. Oh, that's true. Um, but at the <laughs> same time, I feel like he was working with really named directors and being somewhat picky about his projects. And, uh, he was being more artistic. Worse, I mean, I'll admit that, yeah. Or at least he seemed to be being more artistic. Um artistic well, did i say autistic <laughs> well either way i mean he's making money hand over yeah, fist. artistic yeah <laughs> um then ryan he Reynolds. Ryan seems to really give give a fuck as as much you know he's kind of i guess maybe that's just his, his persona or maybe that's him but that's the attitude he gives out and ryan reynolds for um better or worse gives out more of that um i i give a fuck <laughs> you know yeah, I just, I'm having a hard time buying this new commercial Ryan Gosling, especially after uh, I, this is Andy Kaufman-esque interviews with the press and just somewhat difficult. I feel like he's difficult to deal with in a lot of ways and he's amusing himself. Well, like after and La he's La Land and like, because uh, um, when you think about it, like Drive or even um, the... Uh, I mean, Blade Runner uh, 2049 is fairly artistic. The, I was going to just say that even after that, and that would be like the big budget sci-fi movie, but it was artistic, right? It wasn't like a fun or whatever, like, like what the Ryan Reynolds movies would be. So it's not a Marvel movie. 
I don't know if he's. I don't, I'm not sure if he's. Because um, the fall guy might not. Will be pretty serious, right? I mean, I imagine it will be. I imagine this is going to be a, a total spoof of the the show. I mean, the, the show wasn't very um, serious. I would think that this is going to be. Uh, yeah, but the fish. way they're going to do the. Um, well, I guess serious in what way? Like heavy, I mean, because like John Wick's not serious at all, but it's it's a heavy movie. Like it's a serious movie. Oh, uh, I mean, I remember uh, like the Fall Guy being shit, a you know comedy I mean? show. I, I like Dukes of Hazard. But you don't almost, think so. because because I hear like like lettuce and stuff. I always I think like uh, uh, we're gonna get some some real action. Uh, that's gonna be serious action. You know, even though it's I would ridiculous, put it more on the but, lines of Hobbs and Shaw kind of action. Mm-hmm. PG thirteen esque. In my, I mean, that's just Could what be. I would guess. Yeah. All right. So the directors of John Wick, the you know, David Lettich left, and now Chad Stilinski is the one that does this, and he reported that John Wick Four will be the longest running of the series in terms of the running time, and that exceeds Part Three's 130 minute runtime. How do you feel about this? I feel personally <sighs> like this series has gotten <laughs> a little <laughs> too self indulgent, and yeah. This is leading me to believe that if this is the last I, one, then okay. More. If there's more after this, then no, stop. <laughs> it but if they're going to do like, some big blowout, uh, then fine, I guess. Even so, the first one was such a tight, compact little, I think an hour and 45 well, minutes. The world that, that they're building or that they have built is so off the walls at this point that um, they just, they're just doing whatever they want. Talk about writing yourself into a corner. I feel like this is the series that wasn't meant to be a franchise. And or no corner. They've written themselves into into just open space. <laughs> I feel like it's just, I don't know where they're going. What, what are they, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? It doesn't matter. They just make it up. It feels like that at this point, after watching the third one anyways. Uh, I actually prefer the third one to the second one. How about you? Uh, sure. I I think, well, I say they're both almost equal in my mind, but I do think the third one's a little better than the second. Yeah. I think it moves a little um, better. I think this, I was just going to say, I think the second wanders a little bit more than I would like to. And the second or the third one feels like it's more kind of knows where it's going a little bit. The second one takes interesting deviations, but they're not always successful. Whereas yeah. the third one is, is pretty straightforward in, in what it's trying to do. Although it's, it's weird too, man. It goes all over the place too. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, no, those are I, weird movies they really they don't compare to the first in any way whatsoever that first one is just lean mean and uh and freaking awesome fucking efficient is the best word i can describe for <laughs> it fucking efficient okay let's talk about tom cruise who's been speaking lately about his future movie plans i mean this guy has proven himself to be the movie star we knew he was right is this not the summer of tom cruise well, the he's the movie star comebacks? i needed that's for sure <laughs> and I think that it's been proven that everybody forgot. He's also what the movie kind star of, I wanted, but he's it's, both. it's unbelievable that this guy's that, that Top Gun is cruising to seven hundred million dollars, which is you know what your yeah. upper echelon Avengers movies make. I, mean, I don't know that it's. The, I think people are are coming around to that Tom Cruise character, right? When the Mission Impossible movies have done um, so well going forward, and there really isn't anyone else playing that kind of a goofball who's slick and serious but also willing to walk all over himself kind of he's he's not he's not perfect he doesn't do everything right but he thinks he does but then he realizes he doesn't and then you know it's like uh, this non-complex complex complex character (laughs) that i I think think everyone likes i like it 
there's a shift mm-hmm. in, you know, I, the beginning of Mission Impossible 4 is everything that I hate about the crew's persona. Right. That jailhouse break sequence, but that's a I mistake. can't stand yeah. it. And it's an absolute mistake on every, it's everybody a break involved of the character, in that part. Too. It's a break of the Tom Cruise character. He's a, he's a douche in that. <laughs> there is a redeemable moment in, later in that movie for him and for that film in a lot of ways. And I think it kind of sets the, mm-hmm. the standard for the rest of the time for the, the character that we like. And that's when he's hanging out the window in Dubai. And Jeremy Renner says to him, the rope's not long enough. And he looks over and says, no shit. And it's that exasperated kind of every man, like, I got to fucking yeah. do this, but I don't know how I'm going to do this, that Harrison Ford pulled off so well in the Indiana Jones movies, that, you know, he has this self-deprecating kind of aspect to him in the Mission Impossible oh, movies lately, and in this last Top Gun movie that wasn't there in Oblivion and a couple other ones that didn't do so well. Uh, I'll agree to that point. I mean, it, it's there in The Mummy, though, that, that Tom Cruise character is there. That movie's just so terrible. Uh, it, he, even he can't save it, but yeah, the the Tom Cruise character is something that he's it's just been generated over time. It's uh, in Mission Impossible Two. It's on full display there. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a fun time because he is a douche. I mean, when you think of Tom Cruise, you think, oh, look at that A list douche millionaire guy running around acting like a douche. But then he's like, yeah, I am a douche. <laughs> you know? And you're like, yeah. oh yeah. He knows. But I'm gonna be he knows best, he's a the, douche. Of course he is. He's at like, what yes, I fucking do. Of course I am. It always reminds me of uh, of um. Uh, what's Cameron Diaz movie? The the night movie. Um, night and day. I can't remember anything. Night and day. I'm the guy. Which I love because that. Movie. I, you're the guy. He, this is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. I'm the guy. I'm, I'm the, guy. the guy. It's fucking like that's the moment. Like that's the Tom Cruise character right there. That movie's a great, uh, fun movie that's almost built entirely around that character and makes fun of it in some weird way. But at the same time, it's seriously just the character. That's that's the Tom Cruise character. <laughs> That movie would have done better if it had been released now than it had been released in 2010. I love that movie. I think that's one of the lost Tom Cruise movies that no one ever talks about that, uh, that is surprisingly uh, really fun to watch. I just revisited it recently after we saw Top Gun, and it holds up spectacularly well. If you haven't seen Night and Day, uh, watch it. it. It's a great little view, and like Trevor said, it's really the forgotten Tom Cruise movie. I would also add another one to that list, which isn't quite as quote-unquote fun, but is also the overlooked Tom Cruise movie from that era. It's Valkyrie, which is free on YouTube right now. If you yeah. haven't seen that, that's fantastic as well. It is. I just have. I just find that hard to watch Um more than once. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's not a fun view. That's but one it's of those movies. Like Last good. Samurai, I think, is a really good movie. But I just, oh my God, it's so long and kind of intense and just too much. And after you've seen it, you're like, all right. Yeah, once you know the beats, it's not that fun any longer. Um, but there are a couple movies that are coming up here on Cruz's uh, board, on his dream board. <laughs> His vision board. His vision that board. promising. Um, I actually, one, I totally believe he has a vision board. You know he does. Oh, he wakes. It's, it's on his eyelids. Oh, you know he, he does. Uh huh. Yeah, he's got AI that tells him what he's doing in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Number one is to get a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow out. So Edge of Tomorrow two. Yeah. He is still an actively developing, which I think um, another overlooked movie from Cruise in the oh, last yeah. couple and of I, years. I, at this point, that has a chance. That sequel has a chance to really break out because people have um, f- fallen for that movie, uh, especially on home video and stuff. I, th- I think that's garnered quite a following. Yeah, rightly so. I mean, outside of confusion of titling, Live, Die, Repeat, or Edge of Tomorrow, however you want right. to say it. Or how silly um, it kind of looked like this silly sci-fi movie, but people, uh, it's really good. 
Yeah, that was a movie that was mismarketed from the jump and uh, surprised mm-hmm. the shit out of me when I saw it. And I think most people, and his, like you said, the the awareness of that has grown. So well, I again, think that if a sequel did come, it'd be huge. It's the Tom Cruise character that makes, as, as much as the, the Bill Murray character made Groundhog good, the Tom Cruise character makes Edge of Tomorrow good. And he's such a puss in that movie to start off with. You know, he's such a, a coward mm-hmm. weasel. Yeah. It's, it's a nice, we talk about a character changing throughout the film. It truly is there on screen. Um, then he says he has a musical that he wants to do. Don't know huh. if that's the greatest idea, but, you know, getting away from action franchises, I understand the I want. I think it's a musical there. now, right? I think I the mean, next he Predator did Rock movie of is going to be a musical. I mean, even like co-starred in that. <laughs> so, um, oh, and this also sounded interesting. They are going to be moving forward, they say. I mean, I'd be surprised if this actually got off the ground with a less Grossman comedy. So the character he played in Tropic Thunder, they do want to do something mm-hmm. further with that character. I just don't know, you know, what they could, if it's Harvey Weinstein that they're poking fun at or somebody like that. Yeah, wouldn't that not work anymore? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, yeah, I think those, that time has passed. You know, I don't know if you could really, especially in the, the landscape that Hollywood <laughs> is today. Oh, well, yeah, right. Well, especially where that guy is at right now. Like, I don't know how you could possibly do that'd be like making a ron jeremy movie right now like that's just that's that's not, not gonna work i got it here's a million dollar here's a hundred million dollar idea for the studio you started off he's in prison you don't say what he's in prison right? for and he's reminiscing <laughs> on how he got there and then we put it together yeah but he gets out and then he's then he's like he's like all right i'm out of he gets out of prison and then he's got to go back to hollywood and work his way back up to the top Oh, that'd be great. And, He's got to do the menial jobs and be on the <laughs> mail room and then, you know, assistants and all that kind of stuff. But will he, He's when he gets back to the top, he's got to control himself. Can he do it? I'll tell you right now, no. I mean, None of these no one, can. oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, no one would want to watch that. <laughs> I no. mean, I would just because I would think that would be weird that that would exist. But uh, yeah, that's that would be a terrible idea for a movie. Unless Ben Stiller's writing and directing that, I'm not too interested in that I, myself. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could go, if you go dark enough, it could be funny enough. Like, Tropic Thunder had its moments. I still don't think you can make a whole movie out of that and have it work. That's that's too touchy of a topic. All right, let's talk about some actual movies now. I want to talk reviews with you. I know we've had a, a lot of movie news, and this, there has been a lot of things to talk about in the movie world, but... There are movies out there, and you've seen a shitload of them. We're only going to focus on one, two, three, four, five, six of them for tonight's show, but we will have regular shows where this is going to be our format again, and we'll be discussing Mm. movies um, very regularly. So I only have five down here. What's the six? I'm I'm interested to find out, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm throwing (laughs) things at you. (laughs) Well, to start off, let's talk about the number one film in the country on Netflix at least, and that is Day Shift, directed by J.J. Perry, who comes from the 8711 crew who did John Wick. And this is the Jamie Foxx vampire hunter comedy, action comedy that takes elements of, like you had said to me previously, Men in Black, mixes it with, uh, I mean... It's kind of like an R.I.P.D.A. It reminds me more of like a lesser Men in Black um, type movie, something that has that vein of like, People working for an agency to, you know, fight something. Here it's vampires instead of aliens. But you know, I mean, I guess John Wick technically has kind of the same thing. Well, well, the idea is that there's agency, something going on like. underneath our noses, you know, and there's already an agency sure, taking care of, of it that we aren't aware of. And it's you um, go into like an elevator, and that's how you get <laughs> going through the through the elevator, secret door, and then there's a whole big place 
Never knew it was there. In terms of Netflix programming, I find I put this one up on the for me the enjoyment scale on the upper echelon. It's not high art, but this is the kind of fun little throwback. Uh, reminding me of movies I would rent from the video store and really cherish if I was about 15 years old and this was a, a shitty VHS copy. It's it seems a little a little less than what you know especially after watching the gray man where they threw so much money at it this one seems like it was filmed for a, a little bit cheaply but i really liked how the the made san fernando valley look i really enjoyed the soundtrack selection I of it i thought music jamie fox did it i mean i think it's cast very well i, I really like how jamie fox was doing his thing in it and I, I thought that the gal playing the head vampire the real estate agent audrey was really good as well um you know the, basically the the villain in it the villainess and I, I don't have many complaints and in terms of sequels and potential franchises it's all right there and i actually would return to this world a little bit more freely than let's say the suicide squad or bright or some of these other pre-made franchise ready entries that we've had of, of oddball characters and oddball situations because that's kind of what i thought here was oh they're, they're doing like a james gunn type thing uh, even a little bit better than the last couple of james gunn movies i've seen so i do recommend it uh, uh well there, i guess it's nowhere near as smart as james gunn movie uh, but um, I, like, I like Dave Franco in it um, as his little sidekick guy. I thought that worked. I thought the twist the at the end really works was in what this, happened right? to him. Um, yeah, I thought what happened to him in the end, well, I won't give it away, but um, I thought that twist was really kind of a fun twist. I did. I had no expectations for that whatsoever. It turned into um, idle hands, so it definitely didn't it, for a sets while? Up, yeah, I mean, it definitely sets up a, a, a universe and, and a possible sequel going on, but... Um, it reminded me a lot of like an odd Thomas type uh, movie where where it, this is it's very episodic. You know, you could see more. I mean, we're not going to get any more of those, but you could see where there would be multiple ones. You know, very easily, and they would all be kind of self-contained, um, rather than like a a John Wick, which kind of feels like almost like the same story that just keeps going on and on. It, like a sequel to Day Shift, seems like it would be. A different day shift, right? <laughs> It'd be like a different problem. He'd be fighting more vampires or something else would happen. Um, but yeah, I just thought this was a lot of fun. I mean, I would definitely say this is one of the better Netflix movies. I yep. think most of the Netflix stuff's unwatchable. It's not very good. Um, but they do have a couple of them, and I would say this is one is it. And I definitely would recommend it. As you say, it's a good, uh, easy watch uh, and lots of fun. And there's no agenda behind it. Uh, this is just fun. This is just, uh, you know, no, there's absolutely no political, nothing, anything. Um, it doesn't have anything to say other than vampires are bad. Well, maybe not, you know, Hey, maybe, uh, Oh, well, that's a little political. Are vampires bad or not? Can vampires be good people? Hmm. Are they even, why don't you watch, watch day, day shift and find out. <laughs> I did like the chemistry between Fox and Franco. I thought was, was really well done. Even I yeah, didn't know I with their worked. age difference, how that was going to go. And I thought Dave Franco was overplaying the role in his first few scenes, but I thought he settled into it nicely. And, um, you know, the, the bits about the, don't get this in your butt and things like that. And mm -hmm. it, there, there was a lot of humor in this, this movie that I wasn't necessarily expecting. I thought this was going to be more along the lines of a blade and I'm glad they didn't just go with a blade. My favorite line in this whole movie is when the monster heaves Fox, or the monster, the vampire heaves Fox 
And he says, that motherfucker threw me up the stairs. I mean, I thought that was, the way he said that was so perfectly timed. I thought, okay, this movie's really firing on this. Has a cool little car chase. And J.J. Perry, the director here, former stuntman, shows off his skills at doing all the action stuff. But the movie doesn't lag. It keeps pace pretty well. It's not bloated in terms of runtime. I like movies like this movie sets itself up and sets up the world and it shows you in a fun way, right? He, he hunts down two vampires at the beginning of the movie, big action sequence, big this and that. Um, and once that's done, it's just him living his life, doing his thing, trying to, trying to do what he does, you know, whether there's a movie or not, this is what this guy is doing in this world, you know, kind of feels like. And then after that, once the world's kind of set up, and we do have intersprinkled in like the bad guy and, and what's building there. But before all that comes to a head, right, we, we, we've established the world. And it's a, it's a silly little stupid little world, but I like movies that do that. Totally. Like Men in Black kind of did that. If you watch Men in Black, it's almost the same exact thing, right? You have an, an action sequence at the beginning. He finds out something weird's going on. You know, it's, it's, it's different, obviously, but it's kind of the same exact thing, which is what I mean by this being kind of a men in black thing. And RIPD is the same way. And uh, I can't think. There's, there's other ones. Yeah, there was a slew that were, were like this, but those are the two best examples you can come up with, um, honestly, to illustrate the point, because those are, I think, on the higher end of those genres. Um, yeah. But I... I mean, overall, the, the movie for me is a recommend. It's not going to win any Academy Awards, but I would watch this a second time, which is more than I could say for most of the Netflix originals that I've, I've watched throughout the, the years. Uh, this, is, this was fun. And it was never going to be released in a theater. doesn't have that pedigree, but is perfect for this kind of streaming stuff. And um, I, I really do think that this is going to have at least another film. And did, you know what this really reminded me of? was Dead Heat. You remember the old Joe Piscopo Treat Williams yeah. film? It had a lot of that kind of feel to it. Where it's, at sure, times it was very it. serious or tried to <laughs> be a little bit more DVD, serious. I got it on I got the VHS here. I got that all of boy. it, man. Of course you do. Look who I'm yeah, Dead Heat's a lot of fun. Um, Dead Heat is obviously... Not, I mean, the difference between Day Shift and most of the other movies that we're talking about as far as like remembering watching movies like this on, even on cable or specifically on VHS is that it's professional it's like professionally shot like dead heat looks like shit <laughs> compared to day <laughs> shift true. i'm just saying but honestly because like the the difference between you said like this looks a little lower budget and stuff the difference between like low budget nowadays for like a netflix movie oh, that, that, that has to do with all these special effects and stuff yeah to like something that was like more of like something you'd find on vhs back in the day it's huge I mean, those tapes sometimes would have scenes that were almost so underlit you couldn't see what the fuck was happening. Oh yeah, the VHS is terrible. Actually, the DVD is is pretty bad for Dead Heat. Especially has some of those really underlit scenes. Um, But there is, I think, there's a Blu-ray. There might be a better um, transfer of that now. I would hope so. The movie (laughs) deserves a clean transfer. It's a fun little flick. Okay, let's move on and talk about Lightyear. This was the big Buzz Lightyear film that came out in theaters and then tanked. I don't want to say tank because really because it made $120 million, but really an underperformer for Pixar. Yeah. It was released fairly quickly on Disney+. Plus. I caught up with it, and I don't know what I was expecting, but certainly not this, which was very much more adult-themed. I mean, the first 25 minutes of this movie, uh, this character suffers a great loss uh, with 
people aging out and dying and turned into up for a second and I, I got a little wrapped up in this movie and I don't know, like I said, what I was expecting, but it wasn't mm-hmm. quite this. I know there's been a lot of complaints about Chris Evans' voice. This didn't bother me at all. I wish they would have acknowledged it a little bit. Um, you know, that, hey, I hate this action figure. They, they, they could have done something cute. But, no, 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 but I don't, that wouldn't have been in this movie, right? Well, this movie... Come on, there's a Star Wars influence. They basically have lightsabers. It's, well, my, it's my, pretty much... Well, yeah, but that's in the other... So my, my whole problem with this is that there's no way this is the movie that spawns the toy line for Buzz Lightyear stuff. I just I don't buy kids watching this movie and thinking, oh, i got to own these toys. This is not... Um, it's just not a very good... This movie reminds me of you know the Lost in Space uh, live-action movie that came out in the 90s. Uh, it's just weird isn't this not what you would have expected from this and what they did with zerg was just weird like why can't you just make a straightforward uh, a space action movie why does it have to be so uh weird i i didn't i couldn't believe they were spending so much time on this aging you know when he's trying to hit the rings yeah. in the beginning and he can't get it and, he, and he's aging out That's and then what the I'm cat's saying. this super thing and then the cat's going to get put down I mean, and it's just not exciting enough it doesn't it's not ex- they, they are more excited to be space rangers than they actually show you uh that there's it is exciting to be a space ranger like the, the characters are more excited to put on the suits like oh boy we're putting on the suits and then they don't really do a whole hell of a lot I got to say, though, I thought the film was saved for me, and this is why I give it a marginal recommendation, by the supporting characters, especially the goofball uh, New Zealander. It's not a bad movie. Uh, And I thought they, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen one of these kids' animated films, and Mm -hmm. the animation level is so top-notch. The sound design. It looks good, yeah. It's a beautiful-looking thing. There's not a frame that's not full of It's not a bad movie. I think people watch it. I mean, I agree with you. The voice, uh, the Chris Evans voice is fine. Um... I just don't think it's the right movie. It's just not the movie I would want it to be. So I guess I my expectation for the wrong were, audience, it, it, to be honest with you. And if they were going to, you know, uh, pander to us, then at least make it interesting to us. I mean, I, I love I would the say first two story, story, Toy Story movies, especially Toy Story 2 is probably my favorite, which is not a popular opinion. But um, if you watch those movies and then you watch this, there's no way this is the movie. This is not the movie, man. <laughs> It's just well, I've not. only seen Toy Story one, and this is the other other one I've seen, and th- I had no correlation it, factor. I thought it was right. a cute idea. Well, it's when not the a title bad movie, though. I mean, I'll admit it's not a bad movie. It's just not the movie I would have wanted it to be for Lightyear for the Buzz Lightyear movie. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But you're right; it does have that up aspect to it. Um, it's interesting to watch, even though it's, it's not what you what I wanted. It's at least uh, they do weird stuff. But again, I feel like it's more like lost in space, which is kind of what it is exactly. They they get lost in space in this movie, and then it's just like putzing around trying to get off the planet. It's like, what What are you doing? Do something. Don't, don't maroon your freaking character somewhere who's this awesome, you know, space marine guy and just have him try to just sit around. I don't know. And I mean, who's the, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Bad, there's these not a bad guy. There isn't a bad, the bad guy guys, in this movie. But is it also the people on the base who want to shut it down? I mean, the commander? Like, no, what? there isn't I, one. It's it's just dumb. Like, I expected to be more of a Star Warsy, actiony, toy selling movie, right? Which this is not. I don't believe kids buy were buying toys for this movie. Well, I'm giving it a modest recommendation. Are you giving it a, a negative? 
No, I'd say it's fine to watch. My complaint is, I think, well, I think I've, I've said my complaint. So it's a, but it's not a bad movie. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's not as bad as your bo- the box office would lead you to believe in all the backlash that was uh, coming Well, it might be because it's not what it, uh, well, it depends on what the backlash is. But it might, like, I wouldn't know if I had seen the seasons in theaters, I'd be even more upset. Um, so I don't know. I think little kids might enjoy. I mean, I don't know. I think little kids, especially little boys, might enjoy this. I think that oh, overall, though, of course, though, the, have you seen magic. all the shit that's out there that all the kids watch? Of course, they'll enjoy it. I mean, uh, yeah, it's professionally made. Uh, <laughs> it's not cheap yeah. and cheesy, but hell, hell, have you seen? From from our childhood versus our childhood, even at a very young age, versus what kids watch today, wow, do they watch some shit? I mean, unwatchable yeah, they watch shit. YouTube videos, a little Un- kids driving unwatchable and shit. Unwatchable I mean, shit. No, yeah. but even <laughs> even like the little kid stuff for the preschoolers and stuff that that's uh, that's out there is just uh, uh, horrendous. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I kids mean, don't watch I, after- anything. So. Thomas the Train movie that was I thought the low point for children's films but uh what about Dougal I mean, like, oh Dougal <laughs> how about Oogie Loves remember those the Oogie Loves uh-huh. all right let's let's move on and talk about Prey which is the big net or the Hulu release trying to compete with Netflix there these are all the streaming yeah. wars and this was Dan Trachtenberg's Predator prequel yeah. sequel and um uh, yeah. he was trying to keep this <laughs> under wraps for a long time that this was having to do with predator but it came out and this is uh you know i know we're of differing opinion in a lot of senses I, I assume on this film because i actually got caught up in this i didn't i watched this in the first night it came out before all this um you know press that it's getting for having oh no the and, press and, came out before the movie came out well, I, I guess I wasn't so maybe reading you, maybe it. Maybe if you didn't pay attention, then that then that's that's perfectly fine. But it was out there already. They were building up this thing like you wouldn't believe. And I would say for me that I do, I did enjoy it. I thought that this was competently made. Mm-hmm. I think that Trachtenberg is a good director. I think that Ten Cloverfield Lane is still his best film that he's made that I've oh, seen. By far, yeah. But I do think that there are moments in this film that do really work. I thought that you know having very little description of reading it, kind of knowing that it was about a, you know a female Native American fighting this predator, things I mm-hmm. didn't enjoy. One, um, I thought it had a, a fairly extended first act that it didn't need. I, I thought we were kind of meandering a little bit, and then things started rolling in the second act. Oh, quite and a then, bit. Uh, yeah. Finally, you know, completed, and it didn't build uh, character. I mean, I would. My biggest complaint about this movie is that we spent a long time on the the Native Americans and didn't learn anything about them, which well, I, I thought was a waste. The predator hovered around the story for quite a while without being oh, what engaged. They did to, what really. they did to the predator in this is is horrendous, in my opinion. They they treated him like a monster and not like a character. And I think that was a mistake. Oh, that's my and biggest gripe. With this why movie. redesign it? What's with the redesign? I guess uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I guess I'm fine with that. If you listen to all the, I you know, this becomes just too much fandom nonsense. Everyone's like geeks out about. Oh, there's different species. There's this and that. It's just like I don't care. <laughs> I honestly don't yeah. care. Just don't make it stupid. And this thing's d- like like this one. This predator is dumb. I mean, it's really dumb. It doesn't think about anything. It doesn't really do much. It attacks a, a fucking snake. 
I mean, at one point, like, it was going after the, the wolf. It was going after the rabbit. I damn near expected it to just kill the rabbit after it killed the wolf because it was just like indiscriminately killing things. It wasn't until the bear that I thought, oh, okay, here we go. Finally, something that a predator would... I mean, could you imagine being a predator and coming back with that little tiny wolf's head? The other predators would laugh He's at collecting you. Trophies you know what I mean? On a safari. And here's, here's a snake. They would laugh your ass off the spaceship, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, so you get the bear. But this is the other problem with the bear. He lifts that thing up over his head and throws it. Like, okay, so now that's that's a horrible setup because now this girl's going to jump on top of him at the end and, and go, you know, head to head with it? Ah. Uh. I don't know, guys. Like this, this movie feels unbalanced throughout the whole thing, and uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't like it, man. I and I didn't. Well, it's not say I didn't like. It's not a bad movie. It's fine. It was entertaining. I, I thought it was good for streaming, quite honestly. But um, there's just too much that I wanted it to be better at, such as setups. Right? This thing's the king of foreshadowing. That's that's the only setup that this movie knows it just shows you things that you're going to see again later like that's the weakest setup ever like when she finds the buffalo for whatever reason uh we have to see how you know how bad the white man is um i mean not to mention how ugly like the french people are in this movie and how like abercrombie and finch the uh the native americans are <laughs> yeah it's like the complete beautiful. opposite of what you like you see like in uh possibly in like westerns and things like it's just weird like i, I don't I think this whole movie's kind of weird, man. But well, the, anyways, when the predator finds the the buffalo after she's found it and put the flower thing on it, it like looks at the flower, and then it looks at the cigar, and that's it, it. Like it doesn't think anything. It doesn't do anything with that information. It just looks at it because you're about to see that cigar in just a couple scenes later. It's like this is not a setup, man. Um, I will say the homages were really good though, um, yes. because they don't. They were there uh, if you knew. But they didn't matter to the story, which would make sense because this takes place before the any of the other Predator movies. And so it kind of makes sense that any homage that the, the characters shouldn't you know recognize or, or say anything about, right? Which is nice because this wasn't like a fan movie, at least. It wasn't the fan film that I thought it was going to be just right. watching the first trailer. I'll say that. So that I was really surprised at that. I also thought the third act was really well done. And I think that Trachtenberg's shot selection is nicely handled, especially those long shots he has of them walking through the jungle with the torches. That is, it's all dark around them. They're the only sure. thing lit in the shot. I that mean, really gives me that sense of, of horror and fear that the mm-hmm. first one does. What it really is lacking is a score as well that has some sort of foreboding yeah, in it. That's what I thought too. There's, the score is not very good. I don't remember any of the music from this movie. Um, they should have used the original music to be on. They tried to use that Horner music. Pony up. You have the I don't rights. Know. They, 20th Century they could Fox. Have used, yeah. I don't know what they would have, what they could have done. I just, I don't remember the music now that you say that at all. It's not memorable um, at all. And that's what I thought was really missing hmm. in this with, with some sort of memorable themes or at least a, a throwback or at least a little kind of just maybe a tinkle of something that lets us know where yeah. it's going to because it has you know, a sci-fi element with I that. Mean, I don't know. The Predator's awfully overpowered in this to for her. And uh, as far as the tracking shots, there's that one tracking shot in the beginning of the movie where she walks through her village. Did, I just think it's god-awful. Like, it's so long and it has no point. It doesn't show you anything. She's just walking amongst teepees. I'm like, okay, is this supposed to have value to me? I think it was to show off the production design more than anything. But that, I mean, that's what honest. I'm saying about this movie. Like, that's not... Uh, 
<laughs> Why spend integral. so much time on that if you're not going to do something with it? You know, and show me um, what these uh, Native Americans are going through, what their life is like, and the, how that might portray and how they're going to fight the predator. Instead, it's very much like how a child would see this uh, in my mind. You know, her just constantly throwing the axe, and then she adds the the rope to it to pull it back. It, it just that's something like a thirteen year old would come up with. It's simply written. I'll say that. And, but then again, all the predators have been. You know, fairly simply written. McTiernan just turned yeah, that first one into a, a motherfucker. More fun, I guess I would say. Well, I will say that I wouldn't compare this to most of the franchise because it's just a different type of movie, anyways. And I don't think. Um, well, those the gore is really toned down movies, as well. You thought it was this. toned the down. The violence, I thought, was toned down in this. You didn't think well, so. The human to violence is. I mean, I, I guess, I, like what I would have liked to have seen would be a, a, him. Uh, you know rip out a, the skull of a human but we just get to see the animals um yeah it's it's more the animal yeah thing so there yeah it is less violence against the humans but it's pretty bloody still it is but it's, it just know. in terms of that mm-hmm. that shock value there's not a lot of shock i just don't value think it's that it, it, it certainly as rolling stone puts it is not the masterpiece of the franchise um that's ridiculous i just and people who are putting this as their number two pick i also think is Wild, wildly misplaced in the in the line, lineup of the franchise, but I don't even know that I would include this in the franchise. And they're already talking about doing other, wanting other movies based on this, you know. And I don't think we, you could do a sequel to this. But I don't know what with, with the gun is it a sequel? Because are we going to explain the gun at all? How that works out? Does the predator come back and kill everyone in the tribe, and then that's how they get the gun back? <laughs> I mean that's gonna have to they be gotta get the gun back somehow, right? So are we doing it? Are we expecting a direct sequel to this, or are we gonna start doing predators throughout time? Which would be more interesting? Yeah, honestly, until I you would, get to the Jack the Ripper predator, could, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, but that would be weird too. I don't know predators in time. Where, where, like, how many times can you make this movie? You know? I think we've come We're up just against different the wall. people. I know it almost feels like this is a new beginning, but also kind of the end in some weird way. Yeah, yeah this is to me. This like is a, a nice. One-off. It's a one-off, but it's a nice send-off to the franchise. It's this is a, a proper putting it to bed, as far as I'm concerned. I would rank this one personally mm-hmm. as my third favorite in the franchise. I would put it behind Predator Two and just I above. Would- uh, Predators, the Robert Rodriguez film, would which this reminded me of. Do it behind Predators. Okay, so you would place it uh, only because, this- and again, my because my major complaint. I want to see Predator as a character, and they really made him out to be, or her. I don't know what this one is, but they made it out to be a monster, and they they shot it like a monster. It looks more monstrous in this. It acts more like a monster than like a thinking uh, predator, something that would. They would hunt you. It just doesn't seem like a hunter. It seems like a killer. It's more of a slasher. And yeah. It's an unstoppable force coming after you, as opposed to thinking and being cunning like it was in the first yeah. film and even the second film. But I did think that so some of the problems, well, my big problem with Robert Rodriguez's film Not is that predators. Topher Grace character. I hate that character. <laughs> and a lot of the stupid, you know, when they find Lawrence Fishburne, it reminds me of, of the, you know, the fucking John Wick when they find Lawrence Fishburne halfway through and he offers him shelter. Yeah. It was like a trend for a while to find Lawrence Fishburne halfway through your fucking movie. And he was your, your guy to like, you're like, oh, here's the next 25 minutes of the fucking second yeah. act. I mean, I'm not saying any of the Predator movies are perfect um, aside from the first one, which the is one. friggin' awesome. 
perfection. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a fine installment. I just wish it's one of those movies that I watch and I, and I realize, Oh, this is pretty good. Why do they make these decisions? If they chose to do it this way, you know, it would have been so much better. And that shit just eats at me. Like when I watch a movie like this, you know, I guess, like I said, I saw it the, the night it came out, fairly late at night, and I, I had not read anything on it. So I thought for what it was, I thought people were going to actually shit on it. So I thought I was fairly bold for saying that I enjoyed it. Um, and then now all this hurrah has come out about it, and I just, it's not worthy of that praise, but I do think it's worthy of a watch. So I do yeah. give it a recommendation. Yeah. It sounds like you do too, as well, with, with strong reservations. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, much like Lightyear, this is not a bad movie. I'd say watch this. It's just not the movie that I wanted it to be, but that doesn't make it a bad movie. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, let's move on and talk about The Gray Man, which was Netflix's $200 million action opus starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, directed by the Russo brothers of Avengers fame. And this is one of the most contrived overproduced films I've seen in a long time. Wait, you didn't like it's The Gray so, Man? I thought this was so poorly done. Um, honestly, I did not enjoy most of this. I thought Chris Evans, from the minute he um, came on screen, was playing the same character he played in Knives Out, that smirky <laughs> little prick. Um, I didn't think that Gosling was very good in this, and I thought that every scene was trying to top the scene before it to where I became bored in this movie. Did, didn't you think that at some point... Talk about Bayham. This is Michael Bayham <laughs> amped up without the the connective tissue to me. I, I really did not enjoy this film. I, did you enjoy this? Uh, no. I, I mean, as far as like forgetting that you're watching a shitty movie and you're just watching an action scene play out. Okay, if you can manage to do that, then you'll probably find this movie perfectly fine. But um yeah, I have a memory, so I'll re- I remember the scene before, <laughs> and yes. it just this is a movie that just keeps going nowhere. It's building to nothing, but it's so loudly that it's just like, ah, what the hell are you doing? You know, um, and it reminds me uh, th- th- of a movie that I actually do like, but a lot of people hated, which is a Man from Uncle, <laughs> <laughs> that remake of that, which I actually really liked, but uh, I completely understand why people didn't like that movie, and this is. Uh, I feel like for the same reason people didn't like that movie, I don't like this movie. <laughs> you, you know, and I had the same reaction of that movie and this is, it's all for naught. Everybody right. went through a lot of trouble to make it look very good, but in the end, you have nothing here. There was nothing on the page that oh, was I'm, worth putting to screen. I am as tired as Ryan Gosling looks at the end of this movie by the time, when you watch this. you know, It's like, oh my God, like you feel like you've been beat up too because it's just uh, on and on and on and on. And everyone's such a badass, you know, for no reason other I, than just they are a badass. I'm like, I don't like these characters. <laughs> This was such a strange experience because I know they spent the same amount of money that they did on Red Notice, and I didn't like that movie for other reasons. I thought that movie looked kind of cheap in a lot of ways. I didn't like those characters, though, either. Neither did I. I thought that movie was having a hard time delegating screen time, and it was you know judiciously given well, out. Yeah, that was that Whereas, movie's problem. This movie is everyone's... Well, no, it's similar. Everyone's trying to outshine each other in this movie, too, I felt like. I thought that the Razzie Award nomination should be lined up with the amount of overacting that was being <laughs> well, done by people Evans. that can't oh, act. Oh, God. 
Evans with that tight mustache and, and kind of little um, clipped Ugh. way he was speaking. And then you have Gosling who looks disinterested most of the film. I know that's the character. And, that, that's and just this and Gosling that, but, though, isn't it? <laughs> but I just felt like everybody's cashing a fucking paycheck here. And Netflix is throwing money at the screen. And yeah. none of it is. Do you know what it reminded me of also was The Saint? Which is an older movie yeah. that had a lot going on constantly, but wasn't involving it on didn't any have level. A budget, and I, though I think would be the biggest difference between that. But you're right, very similar. It was very busy, but I just I never got involved, and a lot of you know shit was happening constantly. And you're like, what the? Just after a while, I just gave up in this fucking movie. I think the costume and just let it play before changes me. or whatever in that movie were so just too weird. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it was comical, awful. but it, but they didn't act like it was. You're like, this is too much. You're doing like Austin Powers uh, here. What are you doing? Yeah, particularly when uh, when Val Kilmer dressed up as like the Jim Morrison guy and tried to seduce the scientist. That's pretty fucking comical. But um, I mean, I, I hate to say that Gray Man to me is totally forgettable and on the lower rung of the the Netflix films that I've seen so far, which was really surprising. Cause I thought I was going to like this one. I really geared up. Um, to like it and about five minutes in after that first scene I thought oh we're in trouble and then 20 minutes in I was was kind of getting bored this is how I view this is how I've come to understand Netflix movies in general Uh, they have terrible titles like the gray man and then it's just about uh, the gray man Uh, uh, that's as far as they came up with some shit (laughs) well I think that they're interested in getting um, you to click on that and don't care about any sort of rewatchability and I'll never understand that business model because even HBO films or Showtime films, cable films in the 90s, which are these today, uh, had some sort of value to them for the most part or rewatchability or topicalness and this is just shit. I mean, this is just well-produced Maybe shit. Maybe because this doesn't play in a loop somewhere. Um, it's a choice, you know, like as you say, they're trying to get you to click on it. Then that may be the difference. Whereas in HBO, it's going to play on a loop. They're trying to get you to stay on the channel. That's true. And, and to be fair, some of these films on repeated viewing or when you catch parts of it, you're you know, you kind of grow to like certain aspects and there's plenty of movies over time that I didn't, uh, like initially. And then you yeah, catch but not clips a lot of the Netflix and- movies though. I don't think like there's a, like Spencer confidential, I think is a movie that, um, that I can rewatch. Absolutely. Um, Day shift, we just said. Yeah, I mean, maybe day shift. I think I'd have to have a little more time between viewings on day shift. But I mean, there's not a hell hell of a lot of the Netflix stuff. Um, you know, and Stranger Things is not a movie, so I'm not going to count that. <laughs> right. I mean, but they're not shy on spending it. But I would never rewatch Red Notice or Never Again, um, no. Six Underground, any of that stuff. I, I won't. I won't. No, I don't even like those movies though. I mean, I literally don't like them. <laughs> so I, why do I have Netflix I like to, I have it just to screen uh, just to stream through it and see what I could be watching at any given time yeah, no, go, hey that's it. number one in the that's number one on the service that's number two the derby mm, alright okay let's move on and talk about Moonfall Roland Emmerich's sci-fi epic disaster film about well, what they told you it was about was the moon falling from the sky. What the film is really about is space creatures living <laughs> on the moon, which is the big, my big disappointment <laughs> with this film. I was ready uh-huh. for some good Emmerich fun. I was fun. ready for Geostorm and <laughs> Exactly, which I thought was fun. And this was not that. This is space worms that are basically taking over people, and it's an invasion of the body snatchers meets... Um, Geostorm, I guess, is the best way to describe it. With the, <laughs> I don't know what this is. But I what think the it's fuck Independence is, Day in some way. 
it's this is so poorly done that even I was thinking that you know Emmerich, this is Midway was was <laughs> cheaply done, but at least entertaining uh-huh. and had moments in it that's that really did um, you know inspire some sort of awe and just captivating me in, in the war scenes and the planes and whatnot. This had none of that. This was so fucking bad. Easily his worst film, worse than Ten Thousand BC. Not worth a watch at all. Um, yeah, I liked the cast. I, I I'm trying to find good things to say about this right now. I the really cast wanna, is I, lost in this film. I really, uh, Halle Berry I still like seems confused. Um, I, I do too. But yeah, she is confused in this movie. The writing of this <laughs> film is do. so confused. I mean, that you Patrick don't understand Wilson her relationship confused. with Patrick Wilson. No, I, the, it's all confused. I know, but I, I liked what this movie wanted to be and i wanted it to be that but this isn't this isn't even a movie like the past couple of movies i've said that it wasn't the movie i wanted but it's not a bad movie this is just a bad movie it is and it's unfortunate because i think uh roland emmerich just that saying that name makes me feel like oh this it's gonna be a fun movie it's gonna be a big movie it's gonna be fun but i guess I've wiped my mind of all the bad Roland Emmerich movies because they're fucking, aren't they all bad? Yeah, Independence Day Resurrection is awful. every single one of them. I mean, even Godzilla. I love Godzilla. It's not good. No, it's not. Like what, 2012 was one he did, not right? particularly well done. No. Yeah, Dance with Tomorrow. Uh, they're just, they're well, not the good, right? Good. The Patriot's good. Let's be that's honest. That's true, but that's not, um, that's a that's very different. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's it. That is his outlier there. I that would say and, uh, in the disaster Roland Emmerich movies, then I'll say, are the ones that, eh, I just I don't get how he keeps getting money for these because they're just I don't they're not good. I want them this to be has good, to be though. the end of the line. It I has to be good. for him. Now on this, uh, I don't know. You know, I think that um, I think that there's a team up with Uwe Boll in the future. You know. <laughs> I think Uwe Boll's doing second can, unit, maybe even doing first unit <laughs> stuff on this. I mean, that's the kind of blocking and, and acting. I felt like the actors were literally confused at what they were supposed to be portraying in the scene. Oh, 100% I was confused they were, I mean, how they were. There were moments with one when another. I Halle Berry was like, it would, it would, the way it would swing between people's uh, storylines and things. It was like, oh yeah, oh wait, 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 we forgot about Halle Berry. Oh no, she's still in this movie. Here, here she is. like where's she been and even she's like okay i don't know what's going on (laughs) yeah i was surprised that this movie tanked worldwide and i'm not any longer after seeing it i really thought that oh people maybe just dismissed it and this is going to be a fun ride but when the bait and switch happened and this turned into a creature feature i was just not on board with that and if it had been uh, at least done interesting or if the creature looked cool anything to to lay my hat on it wasn't even like much of a creature (laughs) No, that's what I'm saying. It was all this was done. It, it felt cynical all around. This entire production felt cynical, and uh, I hated it. I, I literally hated this film. <laughs> One of the worst of the year. Oh, all right, good. All right, let's move on and talk about the last that we have to review for tonight, and that is Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. This oh, is the right. Paramount Plus exclusive. You know, we've talked about Netflix films, we've talked about Hulu films. Now let's talk a little bit about Paramount Plus films the bastard stepchild of the streaming world. And this is a 90-minute feature, the first one since 1996 that starred Beavis and Butthead. And I got to say, for the first 10 minutes, I was really kind of thinking, man, these guys are a welcome return. I, 
it's been a while since I saw mm-hmm. the stupid jokes. And then they go to the NASA Space Center and they're playing with the coupling and they get so good at doing the, you know, the vulgar movement that they become astronauts. And I thought, this is going somewhere. And then about 30 minutes in, the movie really takes uh, a, a disappointing turn when they're sent to the, the present time because they don't really do much with it outside of a few gags about Siri and falling in love with Siri, which has been done to death. But I thought that was kind of clever with the phone and paying for the phone stuff. But the movie languished for the last 45 minutes and didn't, the most of the laughs of this movie or all the laughs for me were in the first half of it. And the second half was kind of a boring slug. Yeah. I mean, I liked do America. Um, but even that is, hard watch to go back to and this movie is yeah, even is. worse i thought it's really just uh as you say that when he first starts it's like oh this is going to be good because i like beavis and butthead but it falters it just goes nowhere and it goes nowhere fast and, and it does for a long time like even the uh you know when they're controlling the spaceship thing it's the dick going into the the, the thing up and down up and down they're so good at it and this and that i like okay i get it honestly it's not that funny you know but this thing just beats jokes like that uh just beats them dead basically i I don't know it's it's not a very funny movie i don't know i couldn't i I recommend watching the reboot show which is what you really want you don't want this movie you want the reboot of the show it's good i haven't watched the the reboot of the show because this mm-hmm. amount of uh, exposure to these guys after 25 years was just about enough it's way be- um, the show's way better than this i don't even know why i don't understand why this um honestly if if i had written this script or had this script i was like this is not i'd throw it away this isn't the movie you're gonna make <laughs> to how right of this thing it, it did seem a little odd coming from mike judd who's pretty sharp with his writing and uh, I thought if they were to do a feature, this would be the best stuff, not the most mediocre well, I don't, stuff. He didn't and, write this, did he? Uh, I thought he did. I thought maybe he didn't. Maybe that, that explains a lot then if he didn't. I thought maybe he... Let's, I thought let's he was involved see. with the writing yeah, of this. Yeah, he is. He did write it. Yeah. Because I mean, some of his jokes feel like these are they're Mike Judge jokes. Um, and like, I thought the, like, the phone stuff was about the only thing that worked, but having the astronaut who thought that she killed him and now she's yeah, this political that's person what I'm talking about. running, there was so that much. all goes nowhere. But there was so much of all that uh, throughout the whole movie. It just felt like, uh, I don't know, there wasn't enough uh, Beavis and Butthead stupidity, I guess, in this. I would like to have seen more jokes and more... Uh, um, just fun stuff. I, I don't know. Beavis and Butthead is, are, is a, it's a time killer, you know? And uh, this movie was just a time waster. Like, it was so slow. Like, they were just trying to fill the time up. Whereas if you watched a Beavis and Butthead show, or even the old ones, um, those episodes go by in like a flash. Yeah, they really did. Especially because, I mean, most of the time it was just music videos, right? <laughs> They're well, barely right. on screen. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. And maybe these guys were better left off in the 90s, but it was a welcome return no, for a brief show. moment. It's good. Um, or the old film, for that matter, which I think is fairly hard to find. Yeah, Do America is still fun. No, I think it's uh, streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I revisited it during the pandemic on DVD, and I forgot that Bruce Willis and Demi Moore were voices in it. That was uh, They were like major mm-hmm. characters in that. And uh, I forgot that was uh, when Bruno was still being cool and... <laughs> lending his voice to hipster shit. 
All right, let's talk trailers. We have not talked about trailers for a long time, and Comic-Con came up recently, and they had a slew of trailers that they released. We're going to talk about four on tonight's show. These are all are these coming. Comic-Con? Two are coming up. What's that? I mean, one I can understand was at Comic-Con, but more than one? I want to say three out of the four that we're talking about wow. were at Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, the first at the top is John Wick 4. This is the or, last chapter, supposedly. Well, I thought right? this is... This was the uh, sequel to The Matrix that we actually wanted. Right. Remember they were going to come out on the same day, and we thought, oh, no, what are we going to do? Turns out it would have been in no tra- – it's in no danger of losing to The Matrix Revolution, no matter how bad this movie is. Oh, no, but I would, have be- made, I would have made the mistake of seeing The Matrix instead of this. Me too, to be honest with you, because of my loyalty to that franchise over the years, um, um, and to where yeah. it could have gone. But well, this, this trailer has be better than that. Oh, it has to be. This trailer to me looks like I would not be. Yeah, first of all, I wouldn't be surprised if this movie actually came out and was like the whole time. This is the Matrix, because I think that should be. I think we should start doing that. Like you tell me, the Fast and Furious movies don't take place in the Matrix. Come on. <laughs> of course well, they do. I mean, have, have you, you seen, seen those the mashing? Have you seen the mashing up of Shazam 2 in the Fast and Furious? Because when he says we're family, I mean, people are doing yeah. that now. So uh, you're on to something. But that's the Matrix. Come on. You have seen the way they fly around and do the shit. That's the Matrix. Like, there's plenty of stuff. Like Mission Impossible, that's, that, that takes place in the Matrix. Come on. Whatever happens at the end of John Wick 4, I just want him to collapse from exhaustion because this has basically been one long like week. Right. You know, literally in the story. So it's even though he travels to like Egypt and all this crazy shit, it's basically one continuous timeline with with not a lot of breaks in between day wise. So, yeah. uh, but this to me looks like more of the same, which is a good thing in a lot of ways. But it does look like they're upping the ante in terms of the weapons and uh, locations. Yeah, I think it looks and, fun and and good. Personally, I don't know. I would watch this. Yeah, it, it looks like exactly what I'm expecting from this franchise. Right. So it looks like it's in good hands. Um, you know, it's got a ticket sold already from me. I'll be seeing this in theaters. I'll be bitching about the length of it, I'm sure, because I thought part three was bloated. Although at home, it plays a little smoother than it did in the theater for me. Uh, mm-hmm. The last one, that is. But I am a fan of this series, and I do like what it's doing. And I think that it's the last hard-boiled action series that we're going to possibly ever get. Uh, in terms of violence on on this level and this big of a box office hit. I can't think of something else that's this violent that sells this many tickets. A hard R action film that's doing a Fast and Furious level business. Can you think of another series? I Uh, I can't. uh, No. Yeah. Maybe Mission Impossible, but that's PG-13. Yeah, that's not a... I wouldn't say that's the same as this. No, I agree. What did you think of the trailer? Are you are you up for it? Are you? Yeah, I think the trailer's good. Like I say, the trailer looks like the Matrix. It looks like a Matrix movie. <laughs> I yeah, know with the why. Colors. So I'm yeah. So I'm down for because it. it's literally when I was watching this trailer, I thought, oh, this is literally the Matrix movie that I wished I had gotten. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm good to watch. I mean, it. if you think about it, you got Keanu Reeves, you got Stiletsky, who the director of this, who was the stunt double for, you know, Neo in those mm-hmm. movies. So you got most of the the creative yeah, team of the Matrix. Fishburne, he's right in it. Yeah, it's everything exactly. I wanted. There you go. Yeah, we can we can minus Carrie Ann Moss. That's fine with me. Well, we can minus the writing and directing of that last film too. I I would like to just forget that that last Matrix film even existed because it's maybe the biggest disappointment of last year. I mean, there's no way I'm ever going to own that. There's no way ever watching it again. There's no way. As when I refer to the Matrix movies, I only refer to the first three, which is sad because the second and third ones suck. 
So that should give you an idea of how bad the that fourth one, one is. The second one doesn't suck that bad. I've revisited it many, many times. I do no, think it's got a suck. bum rap. I watched them, but they both suck. That I mean, freeway I like chase them. is badass. I love that freeway oh, chase. Yes, there are, there are moments in both of those, but they're not good movies. They're super bulky. They're um, they're all over the place. They don't know what they want to be, um, but they're miles better than that fourth one. Yes, not even close. Not even fucking close. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Shazam 2, because this is what I want to dig into a little bit, because you did not like the first Shazam. I really enjoyed it. I liked the first I thought Shazam. Zach, I thought you weren't the biggest fan of it. I thought you were kind I'm of I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I liked it. I thought it was one of DC's better efforts. Um, it really surprised me, even though I guess I just didn't have much knowledge of the character, so I, I don't know what I was expecting, I but yeah, it wasn't big. <laughs> and yeah right and then this this one here looks like it's once again i don't want to say more of the same but expanding it's the family theme and trying to keep everybody together because they're so busy now fighting superheroes and mm-hmm. um when they I, all have superpowers I, I, now i hope this doesn't go the route of superhero movies that i hate which are man i don't want to be a superhero anymore because it sucks to be special so i just want to be normal i can't stand when the superhero wants to throw away his powers to be fucking normal they've been mining that territory since superman 2 back Hmm. in 1981 i I didn't really get that with this trailer though it felt more like how do i deal with being a superhero rather than i want to not be a superhero you and don't how go do Peter I... Parker, Spider-Man 3 on me. No, yeah, because he's more interested in keeping the family together, but everyone's kind of doing their own thing. Um, I don't know. It doesn't feel like he's trying to hang it up. It feels like he's trying to deal with, with uh, I don't know, having a full-grown man inside him. Hey, now. Um, I think that if he tries to hang it up or tries to deal with the family, he's going to try to hang it up to get everybody to to come together, try to convince them all that they should just be normal kids again. That's my fear well, for where this film yeah, goes. I mean, in the that story. might be kind of what he's trying to do, but I didn't necessarily get that with this. They just they, they wanted to be in the family. Like he wanted to to uh, I guess fight the bad guys all together as a family. That that's more of like what I've got from this. I hope that's what it is. I don't. I can't imagine it would be the other way around because there's too much uh, superhero stuff in this trailer for him well, to be trying Levy, to get rid of it. I think is well cast in this role and he looks like he's got that gee whiz, uh, I'm so excited kind of look going uh-huh. in, in most of this. And that's what really appealed to me about the first one. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I thought that at times the first movie was a little too precious for its own good. Uh, and this trailer looks like it's got some of those moments in it too with the with the parents. But I think for family entertainment and superhero films, at least this looks breezy enough to where it's not going to be so mythologically heavy and two and a half hours fucking long, you know, Eternals-like, right. I should say. That at least this, this looks this like This is kind of like fun. their Ant-Man, but it's a little more um, family-friendly, yes, I would think. Because he's kind of exists in his own world in a way, you know? Rather than the, all the other DC characters, he's kind of um, separate from them. Well, he's such a fanboy of Superman, too. It's kind of... You know, it's I do have the life. Zachary Levi uh, Shazam doll here. Oh, excuse me, action figure. Yes, uh, um, it's I do an action have figure, and it yes. stays in the packaging. Yeah, he is in his packaging, and he is here. It's worth more in the package, goddammit. All right, let's talk about Samaritan. This is Sylvester Stallone's superhero film that was supposed to be hitting theaters in 2020, was pushed back numerous times, was going to be hitting screens August 26th, and then is going now to be dumped on Prime. 
Amazon Prime on August 26th, which I think is very unfortunate because the trailer for this is extremely promising. And I'm not saying that just as a diehard Stallone fan. This to me looks like what Hancock should have been or could have been. Um, I really like this idea of the retired, almost Zeus looking. Uh, he looks like he should be on Mount Olympus in this movie with his hair and his beard. Uh, but I, I like the costume design here. I like the action that I've seen. I mean, there's a lot to be seen, obviously, with the movie, but so far, so good as far as I'm concerned here. Yeah, I think this looks uh, interesting. Um, it's a little bit darker. I'm not sure how they're going to play around that so much, but it is just a superhero movie. Um, it reminds me a little bit of like a M. Night Shyamalan type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, But again... I don't want to say more serious, but it's a little bit darker than even, um, than his stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about this one, but I do think it will be fun regardless anyways, cause Stallone will be a, a character, you know, and he's always fun to watch. And so, yeah. Mm. It's directed by Julius Avery, who did the movie Overlord. I never caught up with Overlord. I think you saw it and highly recommended it. Am I, am I right about that? I don't the Nazi know. film. Uh, I don't think right I I, uh, as I remember it it was okay okay I thought you were pretty keen on it for some reason people made a big deal about it but it was it was okay well this one's coming to you on August 26th I'll be watching it the first night so expect a review on a future (laughs) episode from both of us very well yeah I'll be watching it too (laughs) and they're pushing it pretty heavily already they got a all the Stallone films lined up on Prime because they're doing Stallone Week. And they're doing Stallone Week, yeah, up to, right up to it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you might as well. I, uh, I think people are going to uh, watch this. It, it, it's weird you, you that uh, it's weird to see like Jamie Foxx do his movie on Netflix, and it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Will Smith, and then you know he did a movie on Netflix. Now you have Stallone doing this, and Mark it's kind of like the uh, Mark Wahlberg, yeah. It's it's almost as if the streaming services are really actually cashing in on actors, you know, or trying to. Well, the studios aren't paying them what they wanted to be paid or, or what they thought their estimated value is, and these streaming services I guess not, which is interesting. Um, and I don't know, does that mean these people have inflated values, which I think they do probably if looking at a lot of their box office stuff. Um, but... As we said earlier, like the 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 pay per click, the 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 play per click, like what these guys are looking to do as far as these streaming services go, um, maybe they're worth a little more here. Just to back up what you're saying here, Will Smith was paid thirty million dollars by Apple for his next film with right. Antoine Fuqua. But DiCaprio out. was thirty million for his film with Apple. Brad Pitt's going to get yeah, thirty Apple's million for dropping. that racing film. But some of these companies have such deep pockets, like Apple and Amazon, right? They're they're funding a lot of these movies uh, outside of their subscriber base. This money's not coming from that. Um, Netflix, of course, is borrowing heavily uh, to do this. Uh, so I don't know. Does this all end in disaster? <laughs> I do. I think so. I think that there will be one streaming service, and it will have all of this at some well, point. Well, bro, when because- I look at when I look at most of the streaming like movies made for streaming and stuff, it's kind of a sad catalog. It's not like really a catalog that I'm like, boy, I wish I owned. Like, I would not own the majority of that stuff on disc if that's the way it came out. 
I think the two that I would own was Spencer Confidential and Day Shift at this point from Netflix. Yeah, well, and, I, I would uh, probably... from Prime. Maybe the Joseph Gordon-Levitt film where he was the pilot. Was it 747? Uh, I mean, that was really good, but I don't think I could watch that more than once. Um, I just think, like, really in terms of movie. our value that I've seen and, and things yeah. that have stuck with me that weren't just forgettable. Well, I'm uh, ho- I, I mean, Samaritan looks like something I would own, so it would have to be really shitty to let me down at that point. Yeah, I hope not, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. fearful because it's being released directly to Prime. But then again, it takes so much money to launch... Um, a film, although the box office is so slow right now, I think it could have done well, but that's just me being biased, I think. All right, our last film for the evening is going to be The Beast. This is Idris Elba's film that is coming, I believe, this weekend on a very slow box office weekend. This Mm -hmm. is a story, presumably, about a father protecting his children from a ravaging pack of... Is it lions? lions? Tigers? Bears? Oh, my. No, no. Only lions. It's been a... It's been a while since we had a good lion movie, and I think the last one that I saw was Rogue, the one starring Megan Fox a couple <laughs> years back. If you want back. to call that a, a good lion movie. Then I saw Primal, <laughs> the one with uh, Nicolas Cage where he had yeah. that thing on the ship that was loose. So I've seen a couple of these type movies, but I think They've the not gold been standard good. They've of, not been good. The gold standard of the lion hunting movie has mm-hmm. to be The Ghost in the Darkness, yeah, right? Obviously. Which is actually and a really good movie. It is. It's like Jaws on Land in a lot yeah. of ways. And I don't think that any other of these movies have ever come close to capturing uh, what that movie did. I don't know if it's because it, I was younger when I saw it or, or what. But no, I think it's because of the this, way you make a movie. Like, if you look at this movie, uh, this movie's made like it's Jurassic Park. You know, like it's this very... This looks awful, right? This looks awful. This it's looks awful. fine. I'd watch this, but it doesn't... It doesn't look like there's much of... Um, of any substance here. Like I was talking about, like this looks like a moment from Jurassic park where they're stuck in the car and there's, there's dinosaurs running around the car trying to get them. That's like, looks like this entire movie. Oh, uh, this is, you this has been done with Cujo. This is that, that whole sequence has been done so many times with so many different types of animals trying to get in the yeah, car. So this is going to be a by the numbers movie. Yeah. This which is will a be late fine. It'll be fine to watch, but I couldn't imagine watching this in theaters. Really? I think this will be, you watch this at home you'll be you'll be fine you'll you'll enjoy yourself and i think it'll be fine but this is not anything to remember it's not i mean if if you're gonna do like a creature feature like this though i mean one of the things about like the ghost in the darkness stuff and that i feel like a lot of these movies these creature features are missing out on is i'd like to see these these maybe this movie has it i'd like to see these these uh creatures as characters they have some sort of character to them that that I can see them working, doing something, right? Um, maybe even root for them a little bit. Well, this is the kind of movie where they're gonna. It's totally gonna be necessary on the plot and what's going on. The contrivances there. That's when they're gonna show up. It's not something that would actually be a thinking beast and thinking laterally to what they're doing. Because uh, the best versions of this, that's what's going on. But this looks like it has none of that. But this does remind right. me of other August. Uh, just kind of theater dump movies like Anaconda, Hunt for the Blood Orchid, the second one. Yeah. And I always wonder who goes, who actually buys a ticket to this shit in the late summer? You know, who, know. who's going to the, because these will sell a few tickets and it'll probably make under 10 million, but it'll be um, dumped on streaming fairly soon after. So it's a quick hit. But if the, if the market wasn't as slow as it is now and the offerings as weak as they are right now, I don't think this ever even gets a theatrical release. It's surprising to me Samaritan didn't get the release, and this does. And this is the beast we're talking about here, for those that uh, missed that at the top. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I think having Idris Elba in it um, obviously makes the, the big deal, right? That's what gets I mean, it, that, it. That theatrical release does. <laughs> does it? I mean, he's got that kind of drawing power. Uh, for a I, movie like this, like a little horror movie, yeah, probably. I don't know. I, th- that movie Fall, which is fairly gimmicky, that's out right now, um, didn't do very well. So I would be surprised if this grosses more than that grossed last weekend. Um, the one that Lionsgate put out. That all that. Did you see that article about Lionsgate? No. By the way, can we talk briefly about the CW? Have you have you read this article? No. So this <laughs> they had their earnings call today. And they released this. They're getting mocked mercilessly that the average viewing age. Guess what the average age of the average viewer is for the CW? Take I, a wild guess. I would guess uh, 13 or 14. 58. Wait, what? 58 years old. That can't be right. It's all, this, this company called Nextstar Media, who does all their reporting for their um shareholder meetings i guess they reported this today they're uh, and the internet is having a fucking there's already memes about it you know the grandma from titanic is on one of these memes it's it's great this is this is just great so all these horny teenager shows are being watched by uh older people yeah like that seems really uh really odd to me i i would have thought 40 was exorbitantly high but 58 is is mind-blowing well, if it was like Sci-Fi Channel, I would I could believe it, but the CW yeah. seems to cater to me to uh, young females. Um, Always has, I thought. Uh, no, no, depend like the shows. Tip the shows will start out and there will be normal shows, and then they will divulge into what the CW is. Uh, after I guess after they run out of things to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's weird. I don't know why would why would those people want to why would someone that age want to watch uh, a CW like superhero show like that? Well, I know Kevin Smith's sitting weird. at home probably crying into his vegan pizza, um, watching those shows, and his age is probably what fifty five. So maybe it's well, that older okay, comic maybe, book maybe, fan. Maybe, you know? maybe you're right. So it's yeah, I think it's that hmm. older comic book fan that gets caught up in it, but. I was just blown away. I knew I had to tell you something, and I'm glad I recalled that before we got off air. Because um, that fucking cracked me up, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's but weird. CW has come a long way in their programming over the year. I mean, from where they started off with two homies in a spaceship, which is a real show they did, um, <laughs> to where they are now with The Flash after nine seasons is, is pretty impressive. Right. Well, I mean, remember the CW is the WB... Yep. And Paramount. Yeah, I'll put together. If anyone remembers the Paramount Network. And, remember uh, Spike? And, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Spike Network. I mean, there's been a lot of. Uh, yeah, Blade, you know, man. Like Come and Gone, Rebrate. <laughs> yeah, Blade was a great television Did, show. That was at the end of it, though. Yeah, they it was. That, that was the, the entire marketing <laughs> budget and production budget they took on that show. Yeah. That was that. And maybe it was your typical creature feature show, but it was still fun. Yeah. It was fun. Well, it's been fun doing this show tonight. We want to thank you guys. It's going to wrap it up for us. We want to always thank you guys for supporting the show. Um, It's been a blast talking movies, trailers, trivia, all that kind of stuff. If you haven't, go back and listen to our past episodes available on Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple, wherever you're listening to. Please follow, like the show. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I'm Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. 
Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! <laughs>